Hello everybody, this is Tavo DRC of Tavo Creative Leadership. We're here today because I want to really discuss how the Lord leads me. He leads me about His body, not to sin spy, but just to be really where I need to grow, many times on the forefront of a movement that's just started, and also to be in a certain place, like many people, a divine appointment type ministry. But then there are times when I go that I do know that I have a gift of discerning systems. I discern people groups. It seems I discern the fruit of a movement or a church, a fellowship, and I can do that, and I've done it many years, and I can go there fine, disagree with some of it, like a lot of it, and then be fine. It's only when I get aggressed or attacked in some way by some person at that meeting or fellowship that I then pull back and evaluate myself. Did I do anything or was it them? Was it the devil? Was it a mistake? And when I find that as the Lord led me to research doctrine, that it would be ministries that do something that would be very, after three times of seeing it three or more times, it'd be something that would hurt Jesus Christ's good name, reputation, or bring shame or pain on somebody who is a visitor, an innocent person, a young person, or an old person, a black person, white or brown person. So I do it because the Lord has led me. You know, there are scriptures for being led by the Spirit, and that is Genesis 5, Adam's grandson Enoch walked and talked with God daily, and one day he was not. And I believe a lot of people understand what I say because they're led the same way, and it's like an Enoch move in this generation for the last 30 years or more. I was raised not by charismatics, not by tongue-talkers, spirit-filled, but by pastor parents who are Baptist, and then on his side, my mom's, my dad's side were Baptist Methodists, my mother's were Presbyterian, and those all were led gently, quietly, by knowing God's word, but also by the inward witness, so I grew up like this, so it's nothing new to be led every day by the Lord, it's a gift being led by the inward witness. The second scripture for being led by the Lord is Ezekiel 1, the il illustration, excuse me, the example of the wheel within a wheel, the heavenly gyroscope of the Holy Spirit, which could go that way in that direction, and all of a sudden change to a different direction completely, which is because the Spirit of the Lord said to. And that's how we can be led. Uh, I always believe through the years, I've gotten the word about being divinely flexible. There's no time to be religious and rigid when the world is in this unusual, precarious state. But you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. You've got to be firm. You've got to be practical. You've got to be, you know, have a vision, stable. But there's still a time because of emergencies, God moving, God needing you someplace or else to help you, you know, protect yourself or your family. You've got to be led by the Lord. So when I teach doctrines, it's because doctrines are everyone's infrastructure, their moral choices, their conscience, how they lay their lives out, how they take directions, respect people or not. And I just happen to have God's grace to have healthy doctrine that was very respectful and non-biased growing up and really Bible, but not religious, not we-centric, not meaning, you know, we are the world over everybody, but just down-to-earth, practical, servant leadership. And I'm so grateful for that. And the many people 
in our land that are like that. It's a wonderful thing. My concern is that a lot of people are well-read, overly well-read. They are filled with knowledge of everybody who's famous as books and can quote them, and they can quote them just like Scripture, and they can quote Scripture. And when I go amongst the certain styles that say they believe in speaking in tongues, and I find, especially the deep, deep south, not where I am right now, but where I was sent for 15 years, I found the lay of the land was filled with errant theology mixed in with good. And sweet, well-meaning, very particular, very precise, very concerned with people, other people, but it was like pop psychology. The dainty, super sensitive, but very dainty, but devout followers of different famous people or well-known prophets and teachers. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying and admiring somebody's teaching or, you know, going to their church or following them in their ministry. It's just that if you are almost like a cult or almost like a, cl a clone of them and you can't think for yourself, that's the part I'm dealing with. That's the part... You know, you can go in there as a stranger. This is it. A lot of people do not go to church. They don't want to. I'm trying to help people want to do, get things ready so people will want to come if they visit, want to come again. So as a person who was led, not knowing I'd know all this or discover any of this, I would be led by the Spirit to go to a meeting, a church, or find fellowship. And when I relocated, I wanted to find maybe someone to affiliate with, a minister's group, a you know, pastor's group, but I never found anything that I could feel was the right fit. So I would go because I love people. I love the ministries. I'm open. I would go to try to assess and visit. And that's where you find out what the fruit is in the relationship, what their skill is, what they believe, and how discerning and precision, how discerning and perceptive the people are of others unknown you know that you don't have to be famous to be respected many years ago before I came to Virginia I knew a black bishop and the black bishop was the most really loving servant smart man and he shared this is right when all this is going around big eyes little use you know TV ministers affecting America like they have done dramatically Everybody's figuring out, you know, what's right. How do you get the ministry that God has called us to do to the nations? And then sometimes not knowing, but we're picking up stuff by peer pressure from TV or the other ministers in the area because it's starting to be a fad, especially among charismatics. And I was guilty of that. I didn't know, you know, I'm well-intentioned. I'm not trying to do that, trying not to work God, not trying to do that. But you feel almost because you don't know you're young and you think, well, you know, I want to, God says I have a call to the nations, I have a call to ministry, and it looks like this is the common way it's accepted, God is using, for us to get the ministry out, holding big conferences, putting our names in the glossy, slick magazine, and getting more toward publicizing and feeling, you know, the responsibility to get it out, which takes money, and so forth. Then there's the, are you a parachurch? Versus are you a fellowship, a, a church, and that split, which is to me 
part of the Western culture, not exactly how Jesus would set it up back in the day. And all these things affect and aff infect and afflict at times American thinking in ministry or what a minister is or should do or what you are responsible to do or not. And thank God I come from people that were not easily moved by other people, not pray, you know, didn't fall for everybody's pressure. And even though I thought for a while, many years ago, that this is how you do it, professional ministry, you know, getting known for the sake of the Lord, I realized a lot of it was just the information of the day and the celebrity culture starting in and Madison Square Avenue and people wanting to seek their fortune. Not all. As I said, I grew up Baptist. I grew up plain, you know, down to earth and Jesus person, all that type of thing. But when I got grown and all these movements had started in America, let's say the 80s on, then you get winds of doctrine, legalism, and also new teaching. As a former evangelical, I asked the Holy Spirit into my heart to speak, you know, pray in a prayer language when I was 20 in college at a Baptist college. And it was very casual. There was no ministry I belonged to that was officially tongue-talking, but I I asked for it. Later, I found out what to do with it, and I was at an Assembly of God teaching a Bible study when the Lord started to get my attention about praying intentionally in the prayer language, and it really did help me to clarify things, make me discern better, and give me direction easier. Plus, if you have a tiebreaker, you don't know how to pray for somebody, you can pray in tongues and God will pray. You don't have to figure it out. It's so wonderful. Plus, you can get in your relationship with the Lord direction to pray and you can intercede for many other people, including ministers. It's a great gift. So when you're out in the grassroots, which I was, frankly, all my life until now, I feel like, well, I'm still in the grassroots, but I still feel like I've got to be more careful because people are not discerning and they are easily, I don't know, hurt, and they're easily hurtful, and I must really protect myself right now in my call. So I love people, but I've got to be sort of more guarded, and that's part of real leadership, why some people are seeming to stand off, males or females, and why some are not. However, my basic call and what I do every day and want to do is be with people out in the grassroots front lines, whether it's at the grocery store, the mall, the barista fellowship, the gym, wherever, fellowshipping, but also letting God lead me to connect as he wants, like a network style. And that's my ministry is the network style, not trying to amass giant people groups for the sake of the gospel. Plus, I love to know what's going on for the sake of the, you know, the Lord. You get the basic general population, what they're feeling, the fruit of the area ministries, you can really perceive a lot of things. Plus more, really interesting things. So we want to make sure that when we are out there representing the Lord, we are who we say they are, who we say we are, because that was the big problem when I was in the Deep South for 15 years. Not at the gym, not with the Baptists and the, and the Evangelicals, not with the natural, normal people, but with the, I guess you'd have to say, playtime party spirit church. 
And the Playtime Sparty, Party Spirit Church is what started me to really get bolder and more pronounced in what I say and speak it plainly because they are really a culture. It's not about a one group or two groups or ten groups. It's about a whole subculture that is at the grassroots that is TV affected, mainly ministry called through TV, affected with their doctrine and choices through TV because of TV, and now are devout, many of them, famous followers, I mean followers of the famous teacher, him or her. Now, the famous preacher or teacher, him or her, they don't know all this. They are not out there with them. They're surrounded by their staff, bodyguards, and so forth. So I'm out here to give a voice to at least say to pray. We really need to pray about who and what is representing Jesus and who and what is telling the Bible truth and what is playtime. Lately I've heard a friend and I've heard a prophet talk about the different styles of way people think they're saved. What kind of what kind of salvation did you come to Jesus about? Is it true or is it just somebody's doctrine that they said, you know, you can get money, you can get blessed, but they didn't talk about the old rugged cross, repenting, having Jesus as a Savior that you follow as a Lord, your only Lord, and that you make choices to take your cross up daily and follow him. That's why I'm speaking, because what gospel did you think that you invite Jesus into your heart. See, this is it. There's so many teachings. There are too many teachings, and they're all sounding so good, packaged so well in ministries, that suddenly, all of a sudden, God is shaking things, because in our nation, not all who say they are saved really are, who think they're saved, even in spirit of prophecy, word of faith, Baptist, black and white, Brown, not everyone who's a Christian is really going to inherit the kingdom of God. Many will say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied. I did all these good deeds in your name. You mean I can't go to heaven? He said, no, out with you. You were deceived. So I'm pointing this out that, hey, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm working on mine. I'm reevaluating mine right now. I think maybe I missed it. You know, I'm not saying I, I have, but I want to make sure because it is complex in a way. It should be childlike, which I understand that. But then with all the teaching and all the Christ following and all the different groups and all the last 30 years and media and hearsay, we want to make sure that when we stand in heaven by ourselves before the throne and it's like Revelation 4, Revelation 5, holy, 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 the 24 elders casting down their thrones, and it's too late to change any actions or any choices. We want to make sure we're really ready to stand before the Lord in the eternal kingdom, before the throne when judgment is passed out. And because of the game playing that I was, I've, the game playing, the hierarchy worship, the FOMO, fear of missing out, keeping up with the ministry, Jones's status and materialism, because of the controversy, people reviling certain groups without even, you know, it's like it's the popular thing. Find a group, let's say Pentecostals, let's say people who are 
in the prosperity movement and it's like all of a sudden everybody gets on the bandwagon yes they're all evil everything they've taught is evil i say that just is one more fad one more charismatic fad that happens all the time now it's popular to you know say you're not in the prosperity movement well i believe in prosperity you know i i was really called a minister by King, kenneth copeland I pulled out of the fellowships at the lower level because a lot of people weren't honest. That didn't mean Kenneth is not. I'm not saying anything about him, but I don't put my trust in Kenneth. I'm not just one kind. I'm not under word of faith. My kind of abiding faith, because I believe in the principles, it goes back to when it was pre-messed pre up by a lot of people that took it and ran with it. I go back and identify, and I really, to me personally, I avoid Oral Roberts. I know he started Seed Faith, and I don't have any, you know, I don't want to condemn Oral Roberts. I respect him, but his doctrine to me, I just avoid the controversy. All right, I've always avoided it. I will go to Kenneth Hagin, but I will not take maybe everything that all his followers are doing, because that's where I found the worst, some of the worst distressing dysfunction in Virginia and in different places with the grassroots where somebody who had gotten saved, never had any good dad or mom, and was really pretty crude and ornery, but yet they really tried hard. They tried to mimic Kenneth Hagin or Kenneth Copeland or whatever. I'm saying Kenneth Hagin is my, you know, my right now. All right. Because he was, he was not ornery. He was respectful to all. He loved his wife. He was to me, a country, but he was authentic. And he didn't use money. He wasn't into money like people think he is. That came after when people took TV and started trading on his name and all those things. That's usually what happens. Go back. We need to go back to the organic founder of every movement, see if they are the real deal, if they are, pick and choose what is error and what is not from them and use whatever you feel of their doctrine. So I do. After all the years where I did enjoy the joy of the Lord of Word of Faith, I still watch them. I don't go and belong. And I'm not saying anyone should or should not, but I pick and choose my doctrines because it's that important. And I can go Holy Spirit more or less. I can go, you know, talk. I could be Baptist, Methodist, you know what I mean? Hang loose. But I love Holy Spirit. And yet I'm practical down to earth like a Baptist. One foot on the ground all the time. I love to say, you know, there are people I admire, but I don't follow them like Apollos or versus Paul. I just pick a lot of them I like. The ones that God leads me to. So the issue is, everyone, you need to know your doctrines, who you're sitting under, and then be free to pick and choose the right truth by, pray, by praying and seeking God and studying, getting advice. So in my doctrine, I would say that if I teach I'm applied faith, I can switch over, if God wants me to, and teach about faith. You know, I have faith. I understand the movement. But I don't want to be saying that you're only faith. I just believe God has allowed us, to, goodness, to pick from many movements. Pick out the error. So what I determined was error was materialism, greed, and just a false front, the pressure to look good, perform, 
which I know some of them in the top teachers of the group are cha they've changed you know they're under challenges and they're also trying to really change one person that I did that I do like the two people I really a couple of people I like from them a lot of them they have really gotten in the relationship as important more than the money which is good but I want to respect them because they they've helped me a lot I wouldn't be alive today or filled with joy and power if I had not known how to work the Bible, you know, how the Bible worked with faith and patience and inheriting the promises and the joy of the Lord is my strength. Many things through that. But also then, many times the Holy Spirit crowd. When I think of applied faith, I think, you know, why not? Why is it a sin if you're going to be so down on the, quote, prosperity movement? Listen, I turned off Christian TV except YouTube for years because of all the money taken. It was so disturbing. I I know and I, I'm not going to be moved by anybody but the, you know try not to be moved up by the Lord. So then I thought, well, you know, here I believe that I've had I've lived on the most small budget you wouldn't believe. I live small. But I live God has protected me and kept me and provided. I've had big money and no money. So right now I'm learning, I've lived by faith for about a few years. And what I found was that it's so nice to know the word of faith, how to stand, how to believe God, how to do what he says to have him reveal the income, what you're supposed to do to get it and all that, give you the download. So I analyze it. Am I greedy? No. Am I being materialistic? No. Am I doing it to keep up with the Joneses or try to accumulate funds for myself in a selfish manner? No. So my policy is that there's nothing wrong with having faith for finances, for doing as the Lord leads you. It's just you avoid being greedy. You avoid being mercenary, material, the love of money, the relationship with money, something, you know, keep it right before the Lord and don't be materialistic be led of the spirit the second part about my belief about prosperity the prosperity teaching you know without getting into the big deal is that it says beloved in third third john beloved above all things i want you to prosper to be in health even as your soul prosper you're prospering mind will and emotions relationships as well as money ministry family all sorts of things your health but I also believe that godliness, this is my big teaching out of all that, godliness with contentment is great gain. It also says in 1 Timothy 5, uh, 6, 5 or 6, one of those, it says, Paul writes, he said, if they, they're disputers and they tell you that you are not blessed unless you have money, if that's the case, get out from such turn away. So I have. So there are qualifications of how you set your parameters of your belief about income, faith for money, and all that, because God does need to supply supernaturally at times, and he can. The next, the last part about faith for money or applying your faith for finances is that you can still go back to the root people and believe their precepts and learn from them and have faith triggered by them so you can with their healing as well. But you still got to grow up and do it God's way, not a formula. You just can't take a formula and say, you know what, I'm going to sow and I'm going to get, I'm going to 
you know, use God to work God. You don't do that. I don't do that. So I'm led by the Spirit. That's mainly thing. And our offerings have been minuscule, none, because years ago, and I'm believing for increase, because I went through some attack, a lot of attack. And so I, but I also know God uses this. He's allowing it. Because I can help people that have been through this, you know, and I'm of good, I have a great time, really have a great peaceful time most of the time, all the time. But I want to say I can live in a mansion, I can live in a car because of God's mercy and my perspective on life is like, hey, we're passing through. I'm taking it like a big adventure. This is my adventure. I want to see if I can have professionalism and skill and not sweat and help people, mentor people that are caught and have to go into an inconvenient situation. That's why I love being Denton. My main thing, even though I got attacked, assaulted, was that I enjoyed being out with the people, even homeless car people. And it's one of my calls when the ministry really gets going to have funding to help people. So you can, it's really, I really believe that excellence, the spirit of excellence is being excellent at every budget level and not comparing or contrasting, being godly content and doing your best. So with prosperity, these are my principles. And the last principle would be, you know what? My goal is to keep God happy, not anybody else. My goal is to not look at anybody else and keep track of what they have, they do, they look like, or anything else, where they live, their color, or anything. I'm reminded of Paul, who said, I want to know nothing about anybody except Christ and Him crucified. That's a great way to not have keeping up with the Joneses' fear of missing out. It's so peaceful, so is godly contentment. So what I thought was, in the prosperity that got goofed up, the part of the branches of prosperity teaching that I think really got goofed up and got a bad name, was the pressure people had to keep up with the Joneses or to show off their wealth. Plus, a lot of them were, I call them nouveau riche, had never had money. They were raised poor now. They knew how to make money, you know, believe in all this stuff, achieve through faith as well as patience. And maybe it went overboard. So that's their choice. I'm not going to do that. I'm not nouveau riche. All right, so everybody's human. They make mistakes. I make mistakes. I'm not putting them down. Because we're all supposed to grow out of every situation. What I did think was how to train in prosperity is what I'm doing now. Really, honestly, what I'm doing now, it's the relationship with money, not the money that's the root of all the evil. Greed, lust, striving, workaholism, divorce, fighting over money, all that stuff. Feuds. And you have to have resources. So what I've done many years ago was, my teaching is, between you and God, you go to God and say, Lord, how much, how big, how wide, whereabouts, what do you want my income to be, my ministry size, my mansion, my dwelling, my apartment, whatever it is. And you ask God to show you what is your conscience and your view of being prosperous, truly prosperous. Everybody's different. I could say, well, mine would be to have a nice house and a, a, a big car. Another person could say, well, you know, I want a mansion 
with a stable. And if God says it, let him do it. I mean, there's Solomon as well. Another person may say, you know what? I don't want all that materialism. I want to give all my money away. I would like to live in a very humble apartment and give it away. And that's great too. They're not to compete or to think one is better or less. That is their joy to do that. Another one would say, you know what? My idea of real prosperity is that I could have a fishing cabin or a double-wide trailer. I've known people who lived in double-wide trailers, and they were fine. So it is not my business. That's the main thing. It is not my ministry business nor my personal business what you wear, what you live in, what you drive, how much you own. It is your business between the Lord and yourself. It is not mine. Therefore, what I drive, what I think, what I live in, you know, and another same principle applies. Everybody, come on now. In this move of God, let's get rid of the keeping up with the Joneses ministry attitudes and all the legalism. You got to be blessed. You're not blessed unless you got big wealth. And let us go back to hey, it's between God and me, MYOB leadership. MYOB, that's my style. Keeping up with the Joneses, no more. I don't do that. One of the verses I found maybe in my 20s that stopped me from, you know, helped me along the road in all this was, he or she who compares himself with another is not wise. I used to feel, I don't know, when I was in my 20s, a new mother, I would, you know, feel bad that I wasn't like that or I didn't have this. And then the Lord showed me, he said, he who has, he who, he who compares himself with another is not wise. And I thought, man, if I thought I was too fat, they're so thin, I can't be that way. That's making me, bringing me down in my soul, causing me trouble. But the Lord says not to think about like that. That's temporal. You can still work on your weight. I always worked out, but I mean, just as an example. So when I look at anyone's stuff, I really don't. I think, all right. I'm immune right now. I really think, oh, okay, it's a nice house. That's fine. Let me move on. And, oh, yeah, it's a good car, good mansion, clean house, tiny but really clean and great. I'm not moved because I don't care. I'm really content. I really am. Now, I could use prayer because I really believe God is wanting me to get a large a, a large van that is a sleeper van that's quality because I paid my dues on the front lines. It's been pretty rough. But I really, God wants me to send me, but a, a really nice upscale, uh, va- you know, travel situation so I can go speak and minister out on the front lines. So would you just pray on that? Everyone pray and agree. I don't want, I just want people to lift up Moses' hands and he'll direct me and pray for me, but I don't, I'm not asking for money for it. I know God can, he can provide, he will provide. So anyway, God is good as, to me, the joy of the Lord, being peaceful, calm, having no unforgiveness, being godly content in the ministry, whether nobody, you know, pays attention or cares or not, nobody, you know, not being famous, that's fine. I'm just so peaceful. And if anything, that's what came out of Dallas. I gave it all. I lost it all. But you know what? I didn't really. I gained God. I gained peace. I gained fear. My mother died. I lost my my family, basically. And I had no real close, not many people I could rely on there. 
But instead, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I are godly content and had a great time. I mean, the Twitter comments, the, the blogs, just hanging out on the Isle of Plano. Jane on the Isle of Plano, Apostle Paul being ostracized from all for 14 years, 15 years by all the apostles in town. <laughs> it was fun. Thank God for the gym. Good gym out there. Good barista fellowships. Nice people, especially McKinney. Great time. The natural people. But other than that, I just felt like, you know what? I lost it all, but I met the Lord. And part of it was I had to do that to get ready for this next journey. I had to do that as a leader. I was too meek. I was too... I had no drill sergeant. I was controlled, uh, being... You know, I was controlled as I grew up, controlled by my mom, and then I was controlled by my marriage. And I was always, you know, trying to obey the rules and submit. So I just was, you know, I had to, I wanted to do it. It was right. But I also knew that I was being controlled. And now that I'm not, I'm free, then I have, and my mother died, I felt like it was God that was delivering me. He had delivered me, but I didn't want to be delivered, you know, because you love people. That's You don't want people to go either kind. But that was what was handed to me. And then I had the most tough bunch of Christians that call themselves Christians on the grassroots. The culture of the, hate to say it like this, but the red state country, no blue states. They were more friendly. But the, un, I don't know what it was, that tough customer mentality, even a few good old boys, good old humans, uh, a lot of legalism, a lot of anti-woman chauvinism, which I had never been through in ministry. Tons of it. Uh, a lot of everybody demanding to be over me. That was a shock. You walk into a, a group, any minister's group, and if they're Levitical patriarchs with half of them or ten times as half, most of them are in the Christian charismatic movement out there. It's like they don't want to know you. They don't want to reckon, relate to you. They just want to own you. I felt like a spiritual net was being thrown over me by the patriarchs of the Whelp Society. <laughs> and I'm a prophet, you know, a seer, so I could feel it. And it was so awful to think, man, these people don't care. They don't want a woman, really. They don't want a white woman. They really want another man like them, a Whelp. And since you're there, they're stuck with you. They're confused on what to do. So they all pull away and then they do their Jezebel spying and, and all the, you know, the, the get alert, the Jezebel watchers, the witch watchers. It's so, it's so uncalled for and so unJesus like it made me want to teach noble Berean good doctrine. <laughs> Why? Because God sent me as a prophet. One of his prophets a secret shopper, as it were, to see and test drive what goes on so that we would know how many, many, many females, grieving widows, Hannah's on the front porch steps of First Samuel are being disrespected or respected or treated or well treated. And therefore, and also I go because of my inner, my call to black people, I go and think, man, if they're that bad to me and disrespectful and I'm white and they're that ornery, that rude, that suspicious and that biased, misogynist chauvinism, man, what do they do to the black person? 
If they can't get along with a, be respectful to a white peer, fellow minister, fellow Christian, they're so, you know, and I know I must, the liberals like me. It's the religious spirit of whatever that red state country is in Texas and Dallas area that was the most hard to crack. Never did, because I thought, as a prophet, one other, and I got to go, if God is using me and the liberals love me and the Buddhists and the atheists love me and the black people get me and the Hindus like me and the tarot card people are like me, the LGBT like me for the most part, they do. A lot of them like me. Then how come this one group that is there, the native culture, is so resistant? And the Lord put in my heart, to pray, everyone pray against that because God is sending all the kinds of people I just mentioned due to COVID, due to lockdown, He's and he's been doing it before that as well. He's been sending the liberals, the gays, the, all the foreign religions, all nations to Texas and all around America, every Bible state, Bible, you know, the red states. All the different foreign Eastern religions are coming, and if they find the same thing, whelp, disrespect, accusation of strangers, rudeness, cliquish clans and cult feeling. Man, the other thing was for the Playtime Church, I may run out, please forgive me because my time is coming to an end on this podcast, but my big vision was from the 90s, I had a prayer meeting at a ministry in Richmond that really had a, a, a real ministry presence around town, more stable and everything. And so a lawyer came, John Chenault, Honor John. I didn't know him, but I just saw him like three times. But he came one day, and he had a word of the Lord for the because I prayed for pastors and leaders and revival and you know racial things. We always prayed for other ministers, pastors, and leaders. So Brother John comes in. He says, I had a vision of casino boats and party boats. They were out on the ocean. They were just giant ocean and all these big and small party boats with party noises and casinos, wheels, you know, gambling and all the joy and happiness of that type of carnal, you know, partying. And he said what the Lord showed me was it represented the churches. Now this was 1995. And I went, I treasured, I went, wow. And so when I moved in the last few years before I moved to North Carolina, South Carolina, where I am now, I witnessed that. I thought of John. I wrote about it as well. And I said, I've seen the party votes, some of those party votes. I've seen legalistic systems out there. I've seen big and small, mega and mitro, even algorithmic systems to secure the money coming in. It was the most horrible, horrible discovery I've ever seen in my whole life, that and chauvinism back under the law and trying to control people with whelp just for income. I believe Phariseeism is about income. I believe making it big in ministry is about income, about we-centric. Our four no more is about conserving income. It's all to do about divorce. Politics in ministry is about income. I'm, I'm not naive. I'm no fool, but I'm a nice person. And if they did, if they rejected, accuse a nice person of sitting there quietly in James 3.17 as a witch because of their formulas, only God knows how he will bring justice on those kind of movements in that quality of making his name look bad like a 
you know, bait and switch. Oh, come, come and fellowship at Jesus' house. Get a word of the Lord. Come and learn about prophecy. Oh, come on. Or come about faith. But when you get there, it's bait and switch. They're disrespectful, demeaning, not equal opportunity, respectful, but biased. You have to qualify to be accepted in the beloved in some of those charismatics. And those are the party votes, usually, not all of them. But I tell you, I'm not in that ministry. I pulled out. I got out of that, and I myself, starting in 2012, I dropped out of the charismatic movement. I love the Holy Spirit and the gifts, but I'm not a part of that crazy-matic stuff or plastic, shallow ministry or whelp. God is good as mercy endures. I've got to go. This is Dr. T. If you need to contact me, please do. We can talk doctrine, leadership, one-to-one leader counsel, whatever you think, worship, fun, recreation, whatever you want to do, but I'm here. Contact me at dfwleader at gmail.com. If I feel it's of the Lord, I can send you my personal cell number. And then let us all pray for our nation, for what I just shared, all the ministries, their focus, their 2020 vision of what is really about ministry, not playtime, not self, not we, not we-centric, but all colors, all people, equal opportunity, diverse, and in a body community, Ephesians 4, everyone walking in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering in Ephesians 4, transformed community. That's me. Cross-body true unity is my style. Have a great day. God loves you. So do I. Be respectful. Abide in James 3.17. With God's help, even under pressure, I'm working on it as well. God bless you. Bye-bye.